Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today is January 29th, 2020. And as I've mentioned the last two days, January 28th was the anniversary of the death of William Butler Yeats, one of the most important, the most preeminent of all English-speaking poets and certainly of the 20th century. He lived from 1865 to 1939. I wanted to read one more poem uh, for you. And I've read this poem before, but it's worth returning to because it's that memorable, that important, um, and it is called The Second Coming. And almost all of my comments about this poem are going to come from a few paragraphs that Harold Bloom wrote about them in his The Best Poems of the English Language. When you're doing a podcast almost every day about poetry, having great anthologies is, uh, is, is useful. And he has some um, comments that I think are, are worth sharing with you that would you know, be just as good as, well, no, they'd be better than anything that I can share with you. So first, as always, I'll read the poem. It's The Second Coming, and here is how it goes. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in sands of the desert, a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again. But now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast is our come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. So I suppose you can see why this is a pretty memorable poem with, uh, with language and images like that. And like I said, I want to read Harold Bloom on this poem. He writes, quote, Why is the poem called The Second Coming? Yeats, fiercely not a Christian, did not believe in the first coming of Christ. This extraordinary chant celebrates the second birth, ironically the second coming, of the Egyptian Sphinx of Memphis, one-eyed god of the sun. The Sphinx is male and for Yeats represents the spirit of counter-revolutionary violence. Shelley's Ozymandias and Blake's The Book of Urizen are alluded to by Yeats, but he seeks to turn their radical visions into a fable for the right. In a vision, Christ represents a false myth of primary salvation, while the antithetical beast, the Sphinx, incarnates the truth. In this poem of antithetical influx, Yeats brilliantly suggests both intellectual welcome and emotional revulsion toward the rough beast who is coming. I cannot think of any other modern poem with this overt rhetorical power. And this is the part that I really want you to get. Like The stuff that I just read is uh, only interesting to some people, right? <laughs> Uh, I don't know that a lot of people really care about um, Yeats's political extremism or or not or you know whatever uh, the, the, the political uh, movements that his poetry alludes to, but this part I think is universally interesting if not important. I cannot think, Bloom says, of any other modern poem with this overt rhetorical power. The falcon, emblem of royal sport, breaks loose and things fall apart. In the poem's draft, Yeats had complained. 
There's no Burke to cry aloud, no Pitt, referring to Edmund Burke and William Pitt the Younger, fiercely eloquent denouncers of the French Revolution. Instead, Yates looks at his allies and finds them inadequate compared to the advocates of revolution. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. What can Yates mean when he cries out, surely the second coming is at hand? Well, we know he means the Egyptian sphinx, and probably not Jesus, and yet he ends with slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Are we to imagine the rough beast as devouring the Christ child? We don't know, and we are left with Yeats' final equivocal word, born, which must have an ironical meaning in relation to the sphinx. And then there's this line by Bloom here that I really like. The second coming may not be a poem to love, but it distinctly is not a poem to be forgotten. So love it or hate it, <laughs> agree with it or not, this is a poem that is worth um, knowing of at least and reading and thinking about every now and then. So I'll read it one more time for you and then we'll be done with this little foray into three poems by William Butler Yeats. Here it is again. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming! Hardly are these words out when a vast image out of Spiritus Mundi troubles my sight. Somewhere in the sands of the desert a shape with lion body and the head of a man, a gaze blank and pitiless as the sun, is moving its slow thighs, while all about it reel shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches toward Bethlehem to be born. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back tomorrow with another poem for you.